heaven today and make that confession. I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you. Can't do it without you. Can't make it without you. But in you I live, I move, and I have my very being. If it had not been for you on my side, my enemies would have destroyed me. But because of your grace and your mercy today, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. When I cannot stand, I'll fall upon you. Know that you are my righteousness. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him praise for that today. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. This is uh, week two of Faces in the Crowd is our sermon series last week. Uh, And this week we are looking at the Last Supper, what has been known as the Last Supper. It is uh, Jesus' inner circle, those he has invested three and a half years into. He has poured his life into them and now they are sitting at the table with him for what is known as the Last Supper. Uh, Last week, we talked about Thomas. Thomas has got a bad rap for the last 2,000 years uh, as being known as Doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. Doubt means that he wanted to understand. He wanted, he, he couldn't understand how that the other disciples was at church on Sunday when Jesus showed up, right? And Thomas was overwhelmed with uh, all of these emotions, these feelings, whatever. Uh, it's merely a suggestion, but that's what would be assumed uh, that he, he stayed at home instead of going to church because he, he was overwhelmed with all of these emotions, and Jesus showed up. He uh, is, says, I'll not believe unless I see the nail prints in his hand and I put my finger in his side, right? And, uh, but he really, when we look at it and study it out, he's merely asking for the same thing that the other disciples already seen. He is requesting, let me see what you've seen. He is not... Uh, in unbelief, unbelief suggests that you're not going to believe no matter what facts are presented to you. You're just not going to believe. But he is in doubt because he has seen Jesus hanging on the cross. He has seen Jesus, that he is dead and he has been placed into a tomb. And now he has doubt because he cannot figure out in his mind how it is that a man that was hanging on the cross put in the tomb is now showing up at church. Right? How many might have some doubt about that? The rest of you is lying. <laughs> Amen. We can't be so super spiritual because we're on this other side of it. We've read it. We know how it's going to come out. But can you imagine? Can you put yourself in that place where you did not know but you were literally living it out? I'm certain that, that I would have some doubt. I would have some concern about somebody coming and telling me that someone who died three days ago showed up at church Sunday morning. Amen. Uh, but... It was only a a doubt and not an unbelief. And Peter got the opportunity to to see what the other disciples seen. And when he got that opportunity, immediately he believed and said, My Lord and my God. Amen. And so we talked about Thomas. He was in the inner circle. And how what, what I want to point out last week, today, and next week is how that, that we are not so much different than Jesus' inner circle. 
We are not so much different than the ones that Jesus poured his life into, the ones that were sitting at this table with Jesus for the Last Supper. You and I can relate to them. They are not super spiritual. And if you're not careful, you'll let religion cause you to put these men up on a pedestal and think that they were so great, right? But I want you to know that we are just like they are. We are just like they were. And so Thomas, we looked at him last week. This week, uh, I want to look at another of those sitting at the table. And that is in his inner circle. And his name is Peter. Like all of us today, we have, are not who we used to be. Those who have began to follow Christ. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have been following him for some time, you can testify today that you are no longer the same as you was when you began this journey. Amen. There is a change that takes place in our lives as we begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Is, and is, I just wonder today, as, as I was studying and preparing, is there anyone else besides me that is thankful that you were young before Facebook? <laughs> Amen. Uh, <laughs> so that all of the stupid things you did aren't on the World Wide Web in two seconds. Amen. But some of the dumb stuff we've done, but... but Peter's name first at first was Simon, which meant unstable. The long version of that name means unstable as water or like water. We know that water is unstable, that you cannot stand on it. You cannot depend on it. It's, it's in motion at all the time, and it, it's flowing in, and it's flowing out. It has ebbs and flows, and, and Simon was that person that was like water. He was unstable. He was back and forth. He was up and down. He was in and out, and Jesus called him called this double-mindedness, double-mindedness, and said that a person who is double-minded is unstable in all of their ways. In other words, you're unstable in every area of your life. And so it, it, is, it is that instability that causes negativism. It is a posture that lets things that don't line up with the word of God to control your thinking. Whatever dominates your thinking is going to produce a harvest in your life. And the Bible teaches us that what we tolerate will dominate. Whatever you tolerate will come to dominate your life. Whatever is allowed to stay in the seedbed of your mind will produce a harvest in time. And as man thinks in his heart, so is he. Our minds have a great ability to meditate on the negative, to dwell on the evil, the ungodly, things that, that aren't in alignment with the scriptures. And the Bible says that this is a, a, a result of being double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. Double-minded is a word for two souls. You feel uh, two ways about something. Uh, that that you, you, you think about it in one way at a certain time and then you think about it in another way at another time. Uh, some might call it a chameleon. Amen. Here's what we do. We, we hear the word of God and the word of God encourages us. We, we make a decree that this is what we're going to believe. This is the word of the Lord. And we start moving that way for just a day or two. Then we start 
thinking and rationalizing what we have believed and it doesn't look like it's going to happen so we, we feel different about it and we change our confession. And then comes Sunday morning and we get in a house of faith and we begin to believe again and we begin to dare to confess again only for a couple of days to go by for us to find ourselves in the middle of unstableness, doubt, unbelief. Then you go to pray and you come back to church and our faith comes alive again and, and this roller coaster goes on and this debate in our mind continues to take place and we start again and, and then it flares up again and, and we go through this doubt and this unbelief, double-mindedness, believing for a moment only to let go the next moment. Negativism produces self-imposed limitations. That means that when you, what you think you can't do, you will not do. If you think that you cannot be a servant of the Lord, a follower of Christ, then you will not be a follower of Christ. If you think that you cannot be free, then you will not be free. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Most of the time when we think something we never that we cannot do something we never tried to do it amen but the good news is today that God has given us the power to be all to do all and accomplish all through and by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ can you say amen amen In John chapter 1, verse 42, Simon had an encounter with God that changed his life. Let me say to you today that, that you have to have an encounter with God for your life to be changed. Many are looking for an experience. An experience is good for a time and for a moment. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel better. But when the experience is over, you go back to what is real. But an encounter will change your life. One encounter with God will change your entire life. Amen. We see that, 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 that throughout the scriptures, when people had an encounter with God, it changed who they were. Saul was on his way to kill God's people, to destroy the church, only to have a God encounter. And that one God encounter changed everything in his life, including his name from Saul to that of Paul. That would, it changed him from being a, a Christian killer to writing three quarters of the New Testament. Come on, somebody. That's an encounter that changed his life. And so we look and we see here today that that same encounter that like that Saul had, Simon Peter also had. He had an encounter with God that changed his life and now his name is no longer Simon which is instability or unstable but now Jesus says, I'm going to call you Peter. Amen. Jesus called him Peter. What does Peter mean? It means rock. So he's bringing him from a place of instability to a place of a rock. Rock solid. Rock hard. Bedrock foundation. Because he understood that, that Simon was unstable and that is who he is. But Peter is the rock, and that is who he shall become. Aren't you glad today that God does not call you by who you are, but who you will be? He doesn't call you by your past. He doesn't call you by your limitation. He doesn't call you by, by, by the circumstances that control your life. He calls you by what he placed inside of you. 
And he knew that Father God did not create a Simon that was unstable, but that he created a Peter that was a rock, a foundation, a bedrock. And so he called out of him while he was yet Simon, he calls out of him what God placed in him. Can I tell you today that you may be here and you may be unstable. You may have situations in your life that are controlling or even dominating your life, but God is not recognizing you by your limitation or what has held you back or holding you back or even limiting you now he calls you by what he put in you amen and even while you're unstable he'll dare to call you a rock glory to God glory to God you see why because that's what he's placed inside of us even after that time, he refers to him sometimes as Simon. After the name change, you're Peter now, you're the rock. But then at times in the scripture, you'll find him referred back to as Simon. And whenever he is referred to as Simon, you will find that that is the places that he needs to be rebuked or corrected. How many of us can be honest enough to say today that, that we have been saved or we are serving now serving the Lord, but we have still had some Simon seasons? We love the Lord with our whole heart, but we still need some rebuke. We still need some correction. We still need him to speak into our lives at some point and some places in our life. And Peter was exactly like most Christians today. He was both carnal and spiritual the flesh would control him at sometimes Paul said it like this whenever I wanted to do good I found myself doing evil he said there's still a struggle in my spirit man I know what is to do right but in my carnal man I find myself in weakness right and so here we see that this is true with Peter that there's still some Simon in him but aren't you glad that God keeps working on us? Amen. Even though he changes our name, we're a child of God. Even though that our name has been put into the Lamb's book of life, that there's still some Simon in us that needs to be worked out. And God loves us enough to call it out of us. Amen. In Matthew chapter 14, we see that Peter is... Here with his the disciples, Jesus is just finishing up and he is putting the disciples on a boat, right? And in verse 22, it said immediately Jesus made his disciples to get into a boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up to a mountain by himself to pray. And now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And now the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Jesus, but when he saw the wind was um, boisterous or contrary, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were on the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. Jesus put his disciples in this boat. They go to the other side. He goes to the mountain to pray. And there is a storm that comes up on the sea. It causes fear in the hearts of these once fishermen that their trade was to fish. And, and, it, and it was so uh, 
strong that it, they, they, they was concerned for their lives. This is not just an, another ordinary storm. This is not a bad hair day. This is a storm that gets fishermen's attention. This is a storm that, that, that causes them to fear for their own lives. And, and verse 26 says that, that Jesus starts walking on the water and going to them at the fourth watch of the night. And the Bible says that they cried out for fear. Uh, my point this morning here is this. Number one, that you need in the storm, you need to cry out. In your storm, you need to cry out. Many are too proud to cry out. Many will say, I can do it on my own. One writer says that this about this uh, particular storm. He said that Jesus would have passed them by except they cried out. I want to say to you today that, that it is possible for Jesus to come to your rescue. But he says, call unto me and I will answer you. There is, has to be Jesus can be at your uh, availability to you. But if you don't cry out, he may not come. Amen. In the midst of the storm, they cried out and Jesus came to where they were. Now, Bible says that they did not know who he was. It looked like a, a, a ghost to them. Can you imagine? Out here in the middle of a storm and somebody comes walking on the water. Amen. I mean, I don't know. I'd have probably done the same thing they did. Right? But what is interesting to me is when Jesus spoke. Get this. When Jesus spoke, Peter knew his voice. He said, Master, if it's you, bid me to come. Right? There's a lot of things about Peter. He, he's a hothead. Right? You remember that it was Peter that when they come to get Jesus, he, he said, I, I, that you aren't there, you're not taking him. And he pulls out his sword and cuts the soldier's ear off. I like somebody like that every once in a while. Amen. He said, you ain't messing with my Jesus. Go get, go get somebody else, but leave him alone. Jesus, in his kindness and compassion, reached down to the ground, gets the ear, and places it back on the man's head and heals him. Right? But Peter sometimes is a hothead. Sometimes he, 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 his mouth is in motion while his mind is in neutral. Can anybody else relate? Amen. And, and, and it gets him in some trouble. But one thing about it. You, Jesus, tell me, come, tell me to come to you. Amen. When you're in a storm, you may not be able to stop the storm, but you need to be able to listen for his voice. You may not be able to stop the storm, but listen for his voice. Because if you can hear his voice in the storm of your life and storms will come. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. You're full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All of those things. Storms will come in your life. Amen. But I'll tell you today there are some storms that, that the enemy brings and God can steal that storm. Some storms we create ourselves and some storms are allowed by God and you'll never be able to stop that storm. You just got to listen for his voice in that storm. And, and Peter heard his voice in the storm and he said, if, you, if, you, if you'll just tell me the words, tell me what to do, Jesus. And Jesus said one word, come. Come. Now, can we be real today? If that would have been most of us and we only got a one-word answer, how many hate a one-word answer? Texting is the worst. 
Now, I, I know most of you, you probably don't care, but I'm going to tell you anyways. If I'm texting you, don't just text K. Because I might come through that phone like Superman. <laughs> come on, somebody. <laughs> Amen. Now, I done got all off the track. But Jesus gives him one word. Come. Now, if that would have been me, I would have probably said, how? <laughs> Can't you see these waves, Jesus? They're getting up in the boat. You tell me to come. How, how am I going to get there? Right? But Peter somehow believes that if Jesus is walking on the water, he can too. Huh? And the only way he knows to get there is because this boat isn't going that direction. The only way he can get there is to get out of the boat. Right? And, and Peter, I know he's got a bad rap and, and people talk about him, what Jesus said to him, oh, you of little faith. You know, and, and, that, and then he went down and started drowning and Jesus had to help him. We'll get to that in a minute. But the reality of it is, is nobody else got out of the boat. There wasn't even nobody saying, hey, Pete, you getting out? I'm going too." No, no. They said, we'll hold the oars. Right? This may not end well. We'll be here for you. I mean, it's got a lot of folks saying, we'll be right behind you. <laughs> Go right ahead. Said Peter. <laughs> Peter said, Go ahead, we're cheering you on. And Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water, right? Going to where Jesus is. And, and Peter and people say, well, you know, he, he failed. He, 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 he got scared. Yeah, he may have failed and he got scared, but he got closer to Jesus than any other disciple did. He got closer than anyone else. And even though he failed, he tried. I'd rather be a failure trying to do something than a failure stuck in a boat in the middle of my fear. Amen. But you see, God is wanting us today to rise up and dare to believe his word and say, come. It may just be a word, come. It may just be an invitation, but that invitation has the power with it to bring you out of the storm and bring you into his presence. Amen. Peter also got, got this bad rap of saying, oh, you of little faith. But let me remind you today that Peter is the only man recorded walking on water besides Jesus. Amen. So that makes him in real good company. In the middle of your storm, listen for his voice. And when you hear his voice, respond to his command. No matter how foolish it may sound, no matter how, how absurd it may seem, no matter how, how, how difficult it looks, if you'll dare to believe and obey his command, he'll produce a miracle in your life. Amen. In Matthew chapter 26, we find in verses 69 through 74, it records the denial of this same man, Peter, that he knows Jesus. Amen? He has a Simon moment. They may all forsake you, Jesus, but I'll never forsake you. They may all turn you away, Jesus, but you can depend on Peter. I'll be there for you. I'll never deny you. And Jesus looks at him and says, before the rooster crows three times, or crows, excuse me, three times, you will deny me. You may or may not know the story, but it happened just like Jesus said. Some said it was a prediction, but it was prophetic. He tells, Simon says, I don't know him. 
he gets another opportunity to make it right. And, and he says, no, I, I don't, I, I have, I'm not a part of him. There's a little, at the fire that night, a 13-year-old girl looks at him and says, I've seen him with Jesus. And so to make it more, uh, to confirm it, Peter goes to cussing. Amen. And says, I don't know that man. Is that right? It's what the Bible says. But you see, I believe today that we can all relate to Peter right here. Because it seems to me that in this culture, we, the church, the believers, sometimes have a problem sharing our faith. It's quiet. We sometimes have difficulty saying that we are connected with Jesus the Christ. Somehow we, we, we become embarrassed or we become, become, become reserved. We, we want to be a secret agent. So that nobody knows that, that we're believers, that we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And somehow in this culture, it's, it, it, we have become ashamed. But don't be ashamed of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do not be ashamed of your connection with the God of this universe. Do not be ashamed of the one who called you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light and placed you upon a solid foundation and established your coming in and your going. Don't, don't be ashamed of the one who took your sorrow and turned it to joy and took your mourning and caused you to have a dance. Don't, don't be ashamed of the one who took you out of the clutches of sin and a certain hell and put your name in the Lamb's book of life and called you his very don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation amen and the biggest reason that you should not be ashamed is because people are looking for him people are looking for the one who is able to deliver them People are looking for one that can put their marriage back together. People are looking for the one that can give them hope in the midst of their drowning sorrow. People are looking for the one who is able to put their life back together again and give them a reason to live. So do not hide him and don't be ashamed of him. But, but stake your claim and say, I know him and he knows me by my name. Amen. He denies him. He has a Simon moment. When he rejects that he ever knew him. And I want to submit to you today that this is the best Jesus had to work with. This is after him pouring his life into them. This is the inner circle of who Jesus is. And yes, even though... God knows his faults and he knows his flaws and he knows that he is, he is Simon and, and yet he is trying to become Peter and, and, and through this process he's becoming who God has called him to be but yet he's still working it out and, and, and God knowing all of this and Jesus knowing all of this he still invites Peter to the table. Religion wants to make us believe you've got to be perfect before you can serve God or be a Christian or be a follower of Christ. Being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ does not mean you are perfect. If it did, none of us would make it. Amen. That's the reason why that Jesus came is because we couldn't make it. 
If we could have made it, we'd have made it on the law. And even the one who wrote the law could not make it into the promised land by the law because he couldn't keep the law. So a greater covenant come. <laughs> Glory to God. A greater covenant came by grace in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. That we, we aren't perfect and we, we, we strive to be like Christ, but we are not perfect. None of us are. And so if we're not careful, we, we think that you've got to be perfect so we can't follow Christ or we can't surrender our lives to Christ because we cannot be perfect. I've got news for you today. None of us can be perfect. That's the reason for grace. That's the reason for Jesus. That's the reason for his mercy. Amen. And his canopy of grace that is over our lives. And he calls us to the table even though that we are not perfect. Amen. This same man got the revelation in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, Some say John the Baptist, and some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is, is, is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was unstable. He was wishy-washy. He was in and out. He was like a reed. He was like moving water. And Jesus says, I'm going to change it to Peter, the rock. And this revelation that you just received, right? Because I'm not flesh and blood. I'm not, I'm not one of the other disciples. I'm not a good person. You know, there's a religion that teaches us today that Jesus was a good teacher. Amen. Now, if Jesus was only a good teacher, he was not good at all. Because he said he was the son of God. And so if he only was a good teacher, then he's not a good at all. And he needs to be blasphemed, rebuked. Right. But he's more than a teacher. He's more than a good man. He's more than a person who has good intentions or good works. He is the son of the living God. Amen. Peter gets this revelation and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood. In other words, you didn't get that out of your mind, Peter. He said, that came out of your spirit. Right? And he said that, that flesh and blood is not revealed this, but he said upon this revelation that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, he said that's going to be the foundation of my church. Amen. The foundation of the church is that that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that he died that you and I can have life and have it abundantly. You know what I love about this whole story? Is this that Jesus never gave up on Peter? He never gave up on Peter, and let me tell you today, he's never given up on you, and he's never given up on me. Even though that we may go through, and some days we look more like Simon than we do Peter, he still loves us. Some days he allows the storms to come to show off the Peter or the rock that is in us. Amen. Romans 8 tells us that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. 
not tribulation or distress, pearl, famine, nakedness or strife. He said, nay, in all of these things were led as lambs to the slaughter all day long, but I am persuaded that neither life nor death, angels or principalities, things present or things to come are able to separate me from the love of God. I say to you today, there is nothing that you have ever done that can stop God from loving you. Amen. When Simon failed, Jesus loved him. And when Peter was spiritual, Jesus loved him. And because this man Simon at times and Peter at times was still a great vessel that was used by God. So I want to say to somebody today that says that God can never use me because I've still got unstableness in my life. I submit to you today that if he were able to use Peter, he is able to use you and I. Amen. And he can take us and he can use us for his glory and for his honor. You cannot do anything to make God uh, stop loving you. Neither can you do anything to make God love you more than he does right now. No matter if you are as close to him as you've ever been or you are as far away as you have ever been, you can never do anything that will cause him to stop loving you. You see, we can't fathom this agape love because we don't experience it here. We know there's four different types of love. But you know, people say they love their dog and then they turn around and say, I love you. (laughs) I don't know if I should qualify myself or not. But, But we use that term loosely, right? But when God said, I love you, when Jesus said, I love you, it's agape love. It's not because of what you have done or what you have not done. It's because he recipient, he gives the love, he initiates the love, he is love, and he loves us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. And I've heard it preached for all of my life that if he only one person would have come to know him as Savior, he would have still come. But I want to submit to you today that he came not knowing if anyone would. But he still came. Glory to God. He still came. So that if I chose to serve him or rejected him, he came to give me an opportunity to know him as my Savior, as my Lord, as my Redeemer, as my hope of glory. Amen. And so that's his hymn today that is speaking to us saying I love you with an agape love not because of what I can get out of you not because of what you do to me it's hard for us to fathom but he loves the person who has accepted him as Lord and Savior just as much as he loves the one who curses his very name I am not going to pretend that I can put my brain around that But that is his love. Glory to God. That is his love. That while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That's his voice in the storm today. That you hear in the midst of your struggle, in the middle of your storm. That's his voice. That's his voice calling you today in the stillness of the midnight hours when everyone else is asleep and you're struggling and wrestling in your bed and not finding sleep, but you can hear his voice. That's his voice speaking to you right now. Telling you I love you with an everlasting love. And I know the Simon in you, but I also know the rock that's in you. And I'm not concerned about the Simon. If you'll bring your Simon to me, I'll cause the rock to come out of you. I'll cause you to be what you've always supposed to be. But here's the thing. You've got to cry out. 
You've got to cry out. You've got to respond to his voice. The fact that the story changed and shifted is because of one thing. It was a pivotal point. When nobody else was talking in the boat, Peter spoke up and said, If it's you, Jesus, tell me what to do. (laughs) That's the pivotal moment that saved all of the disciples. Saved the, the, the Bible says this said whenever he got Peter, right? He cried out, Peter got him, or Jesus got him by the hand, pulled him up out of the water. And then what does it say? They got on the boat and immediately the storm ceased. This victory was not only Peter's victory, but this victory was for everyone that was on the boat. I want to say to somebody today that that yes, God is concerned about you. He loves you with an everlasting love and he wants you saved. But he's not only after you, he's after your whole family. He wants the whole family saved. He wants to speak peace in the middle of the storm. He wants to deliver your entire family. That everyone that is on the boat will find peace and refuge in the time of their storm. That's the God that we serve. That's the God who loves us. And he loves us with an everlasting love. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give him a praise right here today. I'm thankful in a world of uncertainty that there is a certain God that you can trust Him. If you're here today and you may feel unstable, you may feel in and out, up and down, you may feel that your life is just like that of Simon. It's an unstable situation. Maybe you're here today and you've never called on the name of Jesus. It's what the church calls being saved. And I know that you may say, well, pastor, you don't have to be so childlike. No, I do because we are, America is a biblically illiterate nation now. And not everybody has had the privilege of being raised in the church such as some of us have. Calling on the name of Jesus is that of being saved. Becoming a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It means that we have chose to follow him. And as we follow him, there is a resemblance and a reflection of his life in our life. And we are changed by that word and by his presence. Being saved is not coming to an altar one time and saying, I'm sorry for my sins. That's the beginning of the journey. But the joy of the journey is getting to know him personally for yourself. And for him being real in your life. Amen. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Being baptized doesn't make you a Christian. I've had people tell me, well, I came to church and it didn't didn't make any difference. Some told me I've been baptized and it never made any difference. I said, but have you ever asked Jesus into your life as your personal Savior? Because that's what makes the difference. Today, I speak about Peter because of this instability. I speak of Peter today because it is, it is a reflection of his imperfection that causes me to be able to relate to him and say, there are times that I still have Simon ways, but God loves me. trying to be that rock I'm trying to be that stable one I'm trying to be that one that's a witness but sometimes I still have Simon days 
and I want them to be fewer and further apart as I continue my journey with Christ. But you may be here today and you say, I've never started that journey or I've never had that personal experience that you talk of today. I want to tell you today, it's his voice that's beckoning to you. It's his voice that is speaking to you. It is the reason that you're feeling the emotions that you're feeling at this moment. It's, it's called conviction. Conviction that as we sang, we need you. We need you. Amen. Because we cannot make it without you. So I want to call to you today, if you've never known Jesus or you have known and had an experience with him and you have chose to go a different way, go a different direction, and you know today that you're far from his presence, I want to call to you today to come to him, cry out to him. And I want to make a second call today to those who love the Lord, you love him with all your heart, but you say, you know what, pastor, I'm having more Simon days than I am Peter days. I'm having more days of instability than I am being a rock. And I just want to surrender everything to him today. And say, God, I just surrender it all to you today. That, that you be real, true, and that you be God in me today. Amen. Just, just throw yourself on the altar and say, I need you, God. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't let the Simon in you stop you from becoming the rock that's in you. But just throw it all on the altar today and say, I surrender all to you today, God. I give it all to you today. And see if he won't make a change in your life. Cry out to him. Cry out to him in the middle of your storm. Cry out to him in the middle of your situation. And watch him go to work in your life. Will you stand with me today, please? Anthony to sing today and as he begins to sing this song this is your invitation today wherever you are whatever you may be going through whatever storm you may be facing whatever situation you may be going through you would just say today I'm going to cry out to him I'm going to cry out to him let this altar be that place it's an act of faith that takes faith and that's crying out is an act of faith that says I depend upon you I trust you I'm going to give it all to you today and so as he begins to play these are already coming I want to invite you to come if you don't want to come alone just ask somebody to come with you and, and listen this is a safe zone today there's no judgment here today right this is a place that we don't judge and we don't say, well, I wonder what. No, no. We, we, we want you to experience and encounter the Father today. Because we know that one encounter can change your life forever. So don't miss this moment. And if you don't want to come alone, ask somebody to come. But don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. Cry out to him now. It's Anthony's.